0: TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Fantasy the TDN Podcast Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner and Jake Arians. Welcome
1: into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner. And unfortunately, I have to start off with this and, and then we're gonna move off this topic. Um, the Antonio Brown news that has come out since we did our last podcast is very serious. The allegations are very serious. We've had a lot of fun joking around about everything else that has happened with Antonio Brown this offseason. This is very different. This is in a different category. This news is to be handled completely differently. But as of right now, we don't have a decision one way or the other. Uh, He is going to the Patriots practice facility. He is a part of the team. It is looking like he is going to be move to the commissioner's exempt list, but that has not happened as of right now when we are recording this podcast. So I just wanted to start this off because I know this is the hot this is the biggest topic in the NFL and I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention it. I just want to say from this podcast, we are not going to make statements one way or the other without knowledge of what has actually happened because we do not know. Nobody knows and this is going to play out one way or the other but we are understanding the fact that this is very serious and it's a lot different than everything else that's happened with Antonio Brown. Uh, but that all being said, we're going to move off of that and, and move into what was an incredible slate of Monday Night Football games, starting off with a game that was so fun to watch. I, I, I don't think I've had that much fun watching a game that didn't involve a team that I cared about in a long time. It was a very entertaining game, uh, and that is the Saints and Texans game. So Jake, first and foremost, your takeaways from a football perspective, because obviously the, the Saints are a team that is one of the most favorite teams to win the Super Bowl this year in the NFC, started off a little slow, obviously end up winning the game, but what were your thoughts on, on, on that team in general?
2: Drew Brees is Drew Brees, Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, and they still have to figure out the rest like I talked about. The Saints... They gotta figure this offense out. I mean, Camaro's Camara, but he doesn't look like he's not Christian McCaffrey. Doesn't look like an every down guy to me. Latavius Murray's gonna have to carry a load, and I think from a fantasy perspective, he's gonna have that Mark Ingram role. I'm not sure Camara can can really do that. I mean, he looks really good, don't get me wrong, but it just doesn't look the same today. They still gotta figure out how Cook fits in. He was good early, then he didn't do much late. They still gotta find a two. Ted Ginn was okay. Traquan Smith was okay, but it, they still got to figure that out, which I, I think is going to take a little while. Drew Brees is Drew Brees, and they still put up, what, 31 points to win the game, whatever it was. The Texans, the Hopkins-Watson relationship is phenomenal. And Will Fuller made a freak catch. He, they have that weird chemistry down there. They're better than I thought they were going to be. I think Kenny Stills is going, to, is going to play a factor for them moving forward. And their defense was better than I thought it was. Um, just what a fun game to watch, though. I mean, it's really good. So overall, I think the Saints are exactly what I pegged them. I think they have some stuff to figure out, but they're still really good. Drew Brees is awesome, and the Texans are better than I thought they were.
3: Yeah, for me, I look at the Saints and I think that this is a team that's still going to want to run the ball more than they were able to on Monday night. They fall behind a couple scores early, so they have to kind of change their game plan. I don't think Sean Payton and Drew Brees want to throw forty three times a game. Uh, It's just something they can do it when they have to do it, especially when they're at home in the Superdome. But it's not something they want to do going forward. Uh, again, look, Ted, Ted Ginn had a pretty good game for what they need him for. And, look, I don't think that he's going to be a, a seven-catch guy every game throughout the season. He just hasn't been that player. But they, they need a viable second option there. And I'm not sure it's going to be Jared Cook. Um, I know everybody was so excited to kind of see how we would be using this offense. And it's only one week. I try not to overreact. But – He's just not getting targeted that much, and the reality is is if Jimmy Graham never existed, we would never talk about a Saints tight end ever, yeah. uh, and I think at some point we have to stop projecting what happened for a different player five, six years ago in this offense. For Houston, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball this effectively every week. Uh, Carlos Hyde looked really good in his, his 10 carries. I I don't think, he, again, it goes without saying he's not going to average 8.3 yards a carry again, but... Uh, I thought their te- their running game was actually pretty decent. I don't expect it to be such going forward. Nuke is nuke. Sean Watson's awesome. But can we talk for one second about the prevent defense that the Texans played on that second to final play right yeah. before the field goal? I understand you don't want someone to run over the top and lose the game. But what are the chances that with six seconds left on the clock that a team would even attempt to put the ball in the air that ball? <laughs> I still think it's going to happen. I, I would take my chances with one with one or two guys back and protect the the obvious thing that everybody knows what's going to happen is a quick eight to ten yard pass. I, I don't understand that
0: call.
2: Yeah, I will throw this in there too. Larry McTunsil trade was all was phenomenal. He killed Marcus Davenport. He he looked like a first round left tackle franchise guy. Uh, that was impressive to me. I tell you what, you to not to be remiss, The Saints were number one against the run last year. So it's not not the same defense, but the Texans ran it pretty good. I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to run it that good. I agree with Jamie, but I think they're running it better than anybody thought they were going to.
1: Yeah, I think overall, the the takeaway for me with the Texans is I'm in agreement with you. I think I saw a lot of what I expected from the Saints, but from the Texans specifically, the offensive line looked a little bit better than I thought it was going to look. And one of the things that you have said, Jake, and, and I've agreed with you, is that kind of that first season we saw Deshaun Watson, he kind of played with this reckless abandonment, right? Where he just stepped up and made some plays sometimes that you were like, he's not going to do that. But he kind of had a little bit of that in this game where he stepped up and made some that were, I mean, my jaw was dropping. I was like, oh my God, he just made that throw. And nine out of 10 times he fitted in there and the guys are making these catches. And the more that that happens and the more he connects and builds chemistry, I think the more we're going to see that, and maybe he is going to continue to kind of play with this kind of, I don't, reckless abandonment that you talked about, Jake.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to cut his career short. And I'm not sure he's going to finish the season if he keeps playing like he did last night, but God, is it fun to watch. I mean, that kid has, when you're, when you're rating people coming out, and he's not that big, and arm strength is good, but it's not great. They look great at times last night. He just has that damn it. He has that extra thing that you cannot quantify that's just special. I mean, his will to win and things he's willing to do to make plays are, are, God, it's fun to watch. And him healthy, he looked spectacular. But if he keeps playing like that, I'm not sure he's going to finish the season. And I think it might cut his career short.
3: Dabo he told us, he told everybody before the draft, yeah. don't, don't pass on Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of an exaggeration. But the, the, the it factor you're talking about is that, that win factor, right? Because in college... There's nobody that you could really point to over the last five years that has showed out in big moments like he did against what arguably is the greatest college football program of all time. I mean, it's, he has that, that win factor that, that matters, right? Because winning matters and it matters in college football and it matters in the NFL. And it's, uh, Baker Mayfield's talked about it, other people. It's almost like this learned behavior, right? Where you're, you're a part of a winning culture. It has an impact on you. And it's one of the, one of the things that I think we talk about with quarterbacks coming out, where we talk negatively about, about quarterbacks who come from bad programs, but we don't really give enough credit to guys coming out with these, with these quarterbacks like Like Deshaun Watson, who have won constantly at the highest level and in big moments.
3: It's it's a life lesson. It's not just in sports. It's it's learning to overcome adversity. It's learning to okay, how do I get to a certain point? How do I do my best, or how do I win when I'm not at my best, or I'm hurt, or this this scenario is stacked against me? I'm down for it. You know that is a it, it takes effort, but it's also a skill that you learn over time. Playing in big pressure moments, being in big pressure situations, and if you're never in them. It, that's that's say you can't be a great player in those moments, but it's harder because you don't have the experience and the reps doing those things. So you always got to give credit to guys like that that have shown the ability to take over games and win at the college or even high school level into college and college into the NFL level because you have experience you can then draw back from when the moments get tough at the NFL level.
2: Yeah, and if you know anything about his background, this NFL stuff's not the toughest thing he's faced in his life. He overcame adversity at an early age and it's turned into something that makes I think the adversity you're talking about a little bit easier for him to handle. He's a special kid.
1: Yeah, he is special and I I I got to say I enjoy watching him play football so much. He Absolutely. Looks like- he really looks like there's a point in time where he was laying on his back and he had he had just I think it was the Will Fuller catch where he he's laying on his back and he has the biggest shit eating grin on his face. He just looked like he loves playing football so damn much and it it's enjoyable. It's infectious to watch. Um, yeah,
2: that absolutely is.
1: I really really enjoyed watching that football game. Now on the flip side, the Broncos Raiders game, which was the second game. I got to take my licks on this one. I think the whole pot. We thought the Broncos were going to be a little bit better. Now, I'm not writing them off after one football game. But what happened was not what I expected. Jamie, I know you were probably the highest of the bunch on the Broncos. What did you see from this team in in general?
3: I'm just disappointment. Uh, This offense is a problem. And uh, look, I I like the guy a lot. And I I think he's going to have a massive bounce back performance this week at home against his old team. This was not a great game for Vic Fangio. Uh, I thought he got out coached by a coach I don't think deserves to be a head coach right now in yeah. John Gruden. Um, their offense was boring. Uh, Joe Flacco looked like he's washed. I don't know. I thought be, I'd get a rejuvenated Joe Flacco. He's got an opportunity to be a starter again. He's got some weapons around him with Sanders and Sutton and two running backs. I thought we would see, you know, more than the six-point-something yards per attempt Joe Flacco that is that plagued him toward the end of his Baltimore run. We didn't see that. Uh Royce Freeman looked pretty good. i got to give him a lot of credit. He looked really good out of the backfield, but they didn't really have the opportunity to establish the run when they got down instantly and then never really caught back up in this game. Uh, the decision to kick – I mean, there's some of these decisions to kick field goals when they did were just just asinine to me. Uh, my takeaway is that Cortland Sutton looked really good, and I'm, I'm glad he's in a, in a featured role this year, and he's going to continue to have similar l- like games. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, all the credit in the world. Dude looked fast. Was was getting hit, bouncing right back up. Coming off that Achilles injury, uh, he looked awesome. Uh, Noah offense not ready to play right now. Uh, both as a blocker and a catcher, uh, it, it's going to take some time. He'll get there. I still I'm still high on him for the his career, but I'm not ready for him right now. Uh, the Broncos have a lot of a lot of things are going to have to work out, but they play very well at home, especially early in the season. There's going to be a lot of motivation from that coaching staff. That defense is going to cause a lot of problems for Mitch Trubisky this week, so they have a chance to bounce back with a big performance in what would be an upset victory at home. But, boy, I, I'm, all, I'm right now all the way off the, the Denver Broncos finishing with a winning record bandwagon that I've been riding all offseason.
2: Yeah, look, this defense should have been a hell of a lot better, but you've got to give John Gruden a ton of credit. His game plan was spectacular, and it was executed by Derek Carr to the 10th degree. Derek Carr looked like a Derek Carr I've never seen. A flick of the wrist, deep ball coming out of the air. Tyrell Williams was spectacular. Josh Jacobs looked awesome and ready to play. Waller looked like a freak that they can move around and do all kinds of stuff with. The offensive line looked big and physical again. Uh, And their defense was awesome. That young secondary was flying around. Hopefully, uh, Conley uh, is okay. Uh, And Abrams' safety from Mississippi State looked spectacular. He's seeing a shoulder specialist. So I don't know if those guys are going to be out there
3: yeah, um, yeah, it looks like torn rotator cuff for Abrams, so I, I he's probably done.
2: Ah, it's a shame because he was a big physical freak that was flying around and making oh, stuff man. happen. But they She's looked good. Like I, still, I think Denver's going to bounce back and be okay. But like Von Miller was blown away in the locker room after the game. He's like, not only that, I got a sack or a pressure. I didn't even get close. Like their game plan was awesome. He got rid of the, he got rid of the ball so fast. We, we there's nothing we could do. It totally neutralized us.
3: Yeah, I mean Derek Carr looked like this. This is the Derek Carr we saw pre-injury, pre-back injury, yeah. pre-leg injury. This is what we saw when people thought, "Oh wow, he's ascending into the top half of starting quarterbacks in the league." Let's see if he can maintain that over the course of more than he's one. He's going to get
2: pressure eventually, and that we'll see. But that offensive line looked good, and the game plan was perfectly tailored to get his uh, fit his, his uh, skill set.
3: It absolutely is. Although, again, I just I, I need to see the two the tackles perform like that again because I still think that's a weak point for the team and this was a a brutal matchup for them and they they held them pretty much in check with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb I mean they got a little bit of pressure in there but considering they were completely overmatched at least on paper that was a hell of a performance for them Jacobs looked really good there Tyrell Williams looked like he's ready to be a number one in this offense uh you know they took their their customary deep shots but they used him all over the field uh Darren Waller looked really good and talk about a guy that's overcome something Darren Waller um is really overcome a lot to get to, to get clean in his life And to this point. He played one hundred percent of the offensive snaps in that game. I love
2: that. And all over the field. They moved him everywhere and he looks like a matchup nightmare no matter where they put him.
3: Because he is a recorded, converted wide receiver and they put him out wide and and he won those sideline balls. Yeah, I know. But
2: he looked good even when he was on the line of scrimmage as a you know traditional tight end and he was uh he looked good. He looked really good. Yeah,
1: I think overall the Raiders looked, it, it's hard to, like, we don't want to overreact, right? But the Raiders, the, the game plan was executed very nicely. Um, you know, all this Antonio Brown stuff has probably only made it easier for them to just move forward now that they know exactly what to expect. There's not this kind of lingering off the, off the field issue constantly that they, I mean, it consumed their entire off season. I mean, every question that every player and coach, specifically Gruden and Mayock and, and Carr, every time they step to the podium, this is what they were talking about. So there has to be just this level of almost like taking a deep breath, being able to just go in there and play football. Um, and, and Jake, I want to ask you this. When you look on on both of these games – what were maybe some fantasy trends that you, that you saw that you think might continue, right? Because we talked about hype or not after on a Monday, after we saw a full slate of Sunday. Was there anything that you saw in either one of those games that you thought, okay, this player either overexceeded my expectations or underachieved, and I think that's either going to continue or not continue?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the big names were the big names. Uh, I, I think uh, Kenny Stills is going to be good for that Texans offense. Uh, I think he might take K- Kiki QT's place. I think they're tired of dealing with the injuries and all that kind of stuff. But, I, I mean, Stills look good. I was expecting that, but I was expecting it in a couple weeks. Um, I actually dropped him before the game, uh, not expecting him to do much for three or four weeks. And I'm kind of like, eh, maybe I shouldn't have. But uh, I think Darren Waller is going to be – I think he's top eight tight end, just because I think he's maybe the number two receiving threat in that offense behind Uh, Tyrell Williams. I think Josh Jacobs, I'm very glad to have in a flex position in one of my leagues. Gruden said he's going to have every chance to be rookie of the year. They're going to give him the ball. They're going to ride it out with him. And the thing I liked with Gruden said afterwards was he was very impressed with the catch and run, that they ran that little arrow route with him uh, that I think you're going to see more of. So I think that could take Rashard out of the game. I think you're going to see a big workload from Jacobs moving forward. Um, the Saints got to figure out what their number two is. And I agree with Jamie Cortland Sutton looked like the number one that he is. And God bless Emmanuel Sanders, man. I love the kid. He's a great dude to come back off an Achilles as a speed guy and be able to cut like that. As Jamie said, get hit, bounce back up. He looked awesome to be coming off an Achilles. I was really, really impressed with that. Deshaun Hamilton dropped that touchdown, hit him right in the chest. He's a really good player. I think he'll bounce back. Um, and that backfield is going to be a 50, 50 split. I, I got Freeman on the bench in one of my leagues, but I, he looks better. I still think he's a better player. I think they need to be on the field together. I think Philip Lindsay needs to play in the slot, move around, do some of that Tyree kill stuff. But they got to get creative to do that. And then to, to use Jamie's word, they look boring. Yeah, they look.
1: But boring is a, is a nice word to describe that offense. Uh, and I think now,
2: I thought Flacco looked okay though. I, I thought Flacco handled it well. He looked like Flacco. He's got the weird body language and all that. But I thought he looked okay. Threw it well. He commanded it well, but they just they look like a bunch of young dudes out there with a veteran quarterback with a bad offensive line.
1: Yeah, they just never really, there was no like rhythm to that offense I think at all like I never felt like they had got there was no chemistry throughout that offense at all I never saw anything there was no there was there wasn't a drive that it was overly impressed with in totality I think there were spots and moments that looked okay they just never really got it together maybe that's because what you're talking about is it is a veteran quarterback with a lot of young guys so maybe that'll take a little bit of time to get into but it was a little bit concerning for us because we thought that this offense would look at least I wasn't expecting astronomical numbers from this offense, but I did expect them to be better, Jamie.
3: Yeah, they needed to be better yeah. than they were. And look, if you're a Phillip Lindsay owner, you're, you're panicking at this point, and I understand why. Uh, they, can get more, they can get more creative with him. Whether they do or not, we'll see. We don't really have a book on this coaching staff yet. Uh, Philip Lindsay still caught a few passes. I think he could be used out wide. I've been saying, I mean, Jake and I talked about this for two years now. I think both guys need to be on the field at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and if, they, if that means you have to take Deshaun Hamilton off the field, then you take Deshaun Hamilton off the field. I'm sorry. Phillip Lindsey and Royce Freeman are better weapons at this stage in their career for those plays. Uh, you know, I just to me, I want to see what happens in, in other games. They got behind literally right away uh, and see if they establish the run a little bit more and see what that's going to look like. But both backs are going to be used. I think even oh, Devontae yeah. Booker is going to be used somewhat, especially in games where they're ahead. For the Raiders, Waller's going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of targets. We'll see if he can maintain this efficiency. I think he can. Tyrell, I, I think he's an every week flex play now. Uh, I think he deserves to be in that territory. For sure, for sure. And I want, but I want to see how this offense looks next week because they were they were out in front the entire time. They're gonna have. They're not gonna be out front against Kansas City, or at least they're not gonna be out front for very long if they are. And they're gonna to have to keep up offensively. How does that offense change when they're down a touchdown, or when they're down two touchdowns, and they have to do a two-minute drive? Where is Jalen Rashard on the field a lot more? Is Hunter Renfro used more in the slot? I want to see what that looks like because I feel like the Raiders are going to be coming from behind in more games, and they're going to be up trying to hold a lead late. I need to see what that offense and that game plan looks like in that scenario. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little bit cautious with the emotion of Monday night at home with all the A-B drama and we're band together and we go out and win and, and, and against a division rival. Yeah. And then I you know, also want to caution, don't get too down on Denver. There was a lot of good teams that played like crap in week one and yeah. a lot of teams that didn't play a lot together in the preseason with a young team. I mean, I think Denver still has the makings of doing some stuff. And look, Vic's a hell of a coach. Yeah, he, he got his ass out coached big time in week one then their defense wasn't ready to play that game plan, but he's a damn good coach. I, I think that their defense is going to be perfectly fine when they're playing teams that really want to drop back and bond Miller and Chubb have a chance to attack to, you know, get after them. I don't think they're going to be quite as good as we were expecting. There's going to be a little bit more of a learning curve, but you know, same thing. Don't get too high on the Raiders. Don't get too down on the Broncos in week one.
1: Yeah. And you bring up a good point. A lot of emotions in that game uh, playing in Oakland in front of that fan base without Antonio Brown, you know, there's, a lot of emotions that can rally that team together. And that can definitely make a difference uh, when you're talking about a close game with an evenly matched opponent.
3: But the difference for the Raiders this year, in this year's game was they finished because they yeah. did that last year in the yep. first half. Everybody remembers against the yeah, Rams. and Everyone's sure. like, oh, wow, the John Gruden era. And then they just completely collapsed. Now, Rams are a much better team than what the Broncos are. Mm-hmm. But still, it, it, again, I, I don't. my opinion on the Raiders really hasn't changed much. It's a big win, but really hasn't changed much. I still don't think they're any more talented than I did. Three days ago. No. Uh, but my opinion on the Broncos is that offense has a lot more work to do than I thought they had to do. And I thought this offensive team would actually, that unit would surprise people. And they surprised me in a bad
0: sense.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. In- injuries in the secondary for the Raiders is what's going to kill them this week. And, and moving forward, those kids, look, they were playing their tails off. They are blitzing like crazy. And those guys are playing man in the back end. And they look good. And they losing those guys, especially against Kansas City, is going to hurt. But it's going to hurt them moving forward.
1: It's, uh, it's definitely going to hurt them moving forward. All right, let's talk about this Thursday night football game, Carolina-Tampa. Tampa going into Carolina on Thursday night football. Uh, if you haven't voted in the poll that I put out on Twitter, go check it out because I asked people uh, – because there was such a positive reaction to having two Monday night football games, I thought to myself, what if we did away with Thursday night football and always had two Monday night football games? So I put it to a poll and it is astronomically one way versus the other. Uh, Absolutely.
2: I, a great poll, by the way, Paige, but that's an awesome idea.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it is pretty – it's heavily skewed uh, to have two Monday night football games and not have Thursday night football. And I even got quite a few text messages from players saying, I think you're onto something because – Players hate Thursday night football. They absolutely hate it, especially road teams, because going on the road on, on short rest absolutely sucks. It is horrible for the players. They're not ready to go. So I'm trying to figure out how I can schedule a time to talk to Roger so I can get this fixed because I think this would be a win for everybody.
3: It would. The league will never do it. They're no. not They're not giving up a primetime game to start a game at 4 o'clock on the <sighs> West Coast. They're just – they're not going to do I know, it. I know. I uh, know. But again, this is from the same league that preaches that they care about player safety and then make you go back out there three days later. So –
1: yeah, who knows? It's, it's uh not not ideal when you're uh, preaching about player safety. But let's talk about this game. Let's talk fantasy first. Right, guys. So one of the players we were all really high on going into last week was Jameis Winston. Um, I read an article this morning from P, uh, one of uh, fantasy pros that said, listen, I went out and got Jameis Winston. I believe in Jameis. One one week isn't going to change my mind. But this week is not the week. Yeah, and that's and that's the way he kind of phrased his article.
3: And that's what they have to. That's the point you have to make is you really, like, I'll, I'll, and I'll speak for myself, but I know a lot of other people. Whether you're a casual player or hardcore player or analyst, you've done hours and hours and hours. I probably have a hundred plus hours of research into what your preseason rankings were. Where you are going to draft? You probably have done dozens and dozens of mock drafts. You you don't take all that information that you, that you've piled together and look at one game and then say everything I did was irrelevant. And yeah. I think too many people do that. Yes, there is some information that you gain. Yes, there are some times where you say, okay, I was wrong about this. I got I to gotta cut and run. Yeah. The reality is is I, I, I'm still on the Jameis Winston train in fantasy this season. I don't care if he threw for three touchdowns and 400 yards last week. I was not going to start him this week on the road in a short rest in Carolina. Yep. So I think if people, like, look at my rankings and see that I have him down at 18th this week, they're thinking, oh, you've come completely off the Jameis train. No, I wasn't going to start him this week regardless. And I think people have to understand the nuance there. If you draft I, – I mean, he got dropped in our league, or the, the TDN uh, fantasy league. He was dropped.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. I,
3: I thought about picking him up, but I don't want to carry back a backup quarterback in a league with only five bench spots. But uh, to me, I think that's crazy. Like, I, I think it's crazy to say that you're done with Jameis Winston already – Look, that was – it It sucks. He didn't play well in an easy matchup for him. I get it. But that doesn't mean he's going to be bad for every game the rest of the year. You don't want to really start either quarterback in this game for me. They're both outside of my top th- top 12. I have Cam Newton 14 and I have Jameis Winston 18. Uh, I'm not the fan of starting either quarterback in this game. But just as you look at things as a whole, no – what I learned from week one is that what I need to evaluate in week two. I need to know, okay – I have concerns about these players or I'm now intrigued by these players and see what it looks like going forward because so much changes from week to week. And if we talked about this so much that week two is kind of that counterbalance week when you have these teams and these great performances and then week two falls more in line with what you expect and everybody kind of comes back down to earth. Don't overreact. I watched somebody blow in one of my leagues half their fab budget on John Ross. And half the budget right. on Terry McLaren.
1: Sounds. I think about we've right.
3: seen the best McLaren game of the season. Yeah. You Blew half your fat budget. I around.
1: think you've also seen probably the best Ross game. So
3: Definitely. again, relax.
1: Relax. R e yeah, as Rod would say, R e l a x. But don't um, start Jameis
3: this week because yeah, this, but, this yeah. is bad news for the Bucks all around. But this don't week.
1: start Jameis this week. Uh, Jake, your thoughts fantasy wise on Tampa going into this? Is there anything that you, any guy that you're feeling particularly good about? Because we know this. This isn't a Tampa thing. This is a road team on Thursday night football. They always suck. Like it's without fail. There are great teams that go on the road on Thursday night football and look atrocious. It happens every year. uh, And it's just, it's not as we discussed, I don't like Thursday night football for a lot of reasons, but mostly because the product is usually not very good because the players are not healthy and not ready to go.
2: Yeah. It's, it's really an unfair advantage for the, for the home team. Um, The the buck got out of the last game, very healthy. Uh, I, I don't, it's just it's just such a tall tale, especially in the division, going against that offense on three days with a young defense that's new with a new defensive coordinator going against Cam and all the crazy stuff. I mean, McCaffrey was a freak. The one thing I, I got out of watching that game last week was Cam didn't throw it down the field. Everything was dink and dunk, and it's hard to go you know, 60, 70, 80 yards on defenses when you're dink and dunk and you're not throwing it down the field to your receivers at all. And he didn't look very accurate when he did, but, man, they – they are creative with how they use McCaffrey, for sure. Um, I don't think he'll run it as good, but I think he'll have just as big a game because I think he'll be huge in the passing game. The Bucks' offense, I, gotta, I go back to my dad's first year in Arizona. Carson Palmer threw a lot of picks, and 60% of them weren't his fault. Guys were running wrong, wrong route. Guys ran too deep, too shallow, whatever. Uh, and they got it figured out, and I think they went 6-8 and eight the last uh, – or 5-8 and eight maybe, and won like 4 or 5 straight to, w- to finish the year 10-6. Uh, and six. Um, you're going to see some growing pains in this offense. Jameis's first year, two of the picks weren't his fault. San Francisco's defensive line was really good. They had a great defensive game plan. The one guy that I would really say watch from the Bucks moving forward is Ronald Jones. If he gets the hot hand again, and I expect him to just, as his confidence grows, become a stud. He's a home run hitter. He's got this little Le'Veon Bell pause, and then he hits the hole and can go. But he's got a big sidestep. He looked awesome in that game. And really, they kind of rode him out in the second half. It's kind of how they got back in it. Uh, not that they got back in it. They really handed that game away. Uh, but Todd Bowles' defense was really good. Thursday night is just really, really tough. I, I would expect the receivers to have more separation this week. I just think San Francisco had a really good game plan. Mike Evans was sick. He was throwing up after the first uh, series. I, don't, I, don't get crazy people and think that you're going to drop Mike Evans or anything like that in your leagues uh godwin's gonna be fine but ronald jones is the guy i'm really excited to see moving forward in this offense i think he could be special and oj howard had a horrendously bad game blocking receiving uh fumbling it was just awful i, I wouldn't expect him to be that bad he's got to bounce back i think he's going to be better thursday night too
3: yeah and i think that's the thing if people forgot how sick mike evans was all yeah. week uh doesn't have to deal with richard sherman this week against carolina he still sneaks into the back end of my top 10 Chris Godwin is a uh, wide right receiver 18 for me this week. And look, he should have had two touchdowns. He was open in the fourth quarter and one, And that was the one where James was just a little late because yeah. uh, he had Godwin open in the end zone. But he did catch a touchdown yep. to, to save his day. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not that worried about Tampa going forward. Again, I don't think any of us expected this team to be a team that was going to be in the playoffs this year and year one. Uh Jones is interesting because he looked explosive and yes, he. he it, we've talked about this all off season. Jake has made the point where, you know, Barber might be the safer guy in the sense of, you know, you hand him the ball and you block for four yards and he gets you four yards. But Ronald Jones is the guy that can be the big play threat, can break it, can be a game changer. And we'll see how much he is used. Again, this is a tough spot. Um, I, I can't I can't use him this week in fantasy really unless I'm in a super deep league. Just this is a terrible spot to be in. Uh, but definitely somebody you want to keep going forward. People were dropping him before the season, and uh, you know I, I told one of our friends, you know just keep keep him on your bench. There's yeah. no reason you need to drop him for your eighth wide receiver. Uh, there's just keep him there. But this is really going to be a tough one for fantasy purposes where. Except for McCaffrey, he's my number one overall player this week. I, was I think he, say, he yeah. He's, he's McCaffrey. yeah, he's my number one overall guy this week. Which again, I don't have to tell you to start Christian McCaffrey. That there's no, no actionable advice there. <laughs> uh, the one thing to do note, I, I do want to see if Curtis Samuel is used a little bit more this week. He was fairly non-existent last week. DJ Moore got most of those targets. Uh, I just kind of want to see because people have already fought. It's so funny to me because people have, after all offseason of talking about Curtis Samuel and a guy like Jeronimo Allison, people are already all the way off the bandwagon. I've seen both those guys dropped in some leagues. People got to relax. It's one week. Guys have bad weeks all the time. If there's a bad week in week 12. Nobody would drop these guys. Those
1: are my favorite people to play with in leagues because in my big money league that I play with all my high school buddies, Ronald Jones was dropped after week one. And I was right there waiting to pick him up because I I, I just don't – I don't understand what you expect on a you, – you're talking about one – Football game. Also, why don't Jones look good? That's what I thought. That's and a I, weird I, time to
2: drop him. You you look he looked damn good. He was
1: down on the Tampa offense in general, so it was just like, nope, getting rid of him. Probably didn't even watch much of the game, right? And, and just an, a complete overreaction. I got a I got a horrendous offer for Geronimo Allison in a league that I said, absolutely not. You must think I'm an absolute moron to think that the. Green Bay Packers are going to play the Bears defense every week. It's I, not going to happen. I would, I would
3: assume Toronto Allison gets more than zero targets per game going forward.
1: I mean, come on. These are things that you just you – got to look at and go, okay, it's one week, right? Yeah, go
2: go back to my analysis last week of Ronald Jones. I said it's lot, like David Johnson is rookie year. Yeah. And if the load is going to get bigger. I think that that script might flip. He might be the starter and be a 20-plus touch workload kind of guy moving forward. It's not there yet, but as his confidence grows – and this coaching staff's confidence grows in. I mean, they're excited. I mean, he looked he looked special. He looked elite. He looked like the guy coming out of SC that played at SC. But he gained 20 pounds and got faster. Yeah. I mean, you look at this dude as a man. I mean, he looks special. And he looks special catching it, running it. I, I think that's going to continue.
1: Yeah, I think you have to be excited about him. And if you, if you obviously the three of us watched that Arizona Cardinals season very closely with David Johnson, it progressively got, he progressively became more a part of that offense and they had him involved in different things and he scored. I mean, he, he was so fun to watch that year and, and was given an opportunity each and every week to kind of take over a little bit more, do a little bit more. And I kind of expect that same thing with Ronald Jones. I'm not saying they're going to have the exact same season. I just know when I look at upside, I see Ronald Jones and I see much more upside than I do with Peyton Barber. I understand playing the safer bet, but if you're talking about what I would rather have from week six on, I think it's going to be Ronald Jones.
3: Well, and the other thing you have to keep in mind, when you're making these roster additions this week, and it's something you have to look overall, when you're looking at how much fab budget to spend – What is the realistic chance that that player starts for you in the near future? Because there's some guys you want to pick up and say, hey, I just want to throw this guy on my bench and see what happens over the next few weeks. I love doing that. But these people that are blowing these huge amounts of money on John Ross and on Hollywood Brown and on like all of these guys, you have to think for a second – when are you going to play him? Now, if your argument is, I'm going to play Hollywood Brown this week at home against Arizona and next week against Kansas City. I get it. Okay, that's yeah. fair. And I think he is very startable. I have him as a wide receiver 26 this week. But I think come week four and week five, Hollywood Brown's not going to be in a starting lineup. But if you want to play him for two weeks, okay. But understand that how much money you're blowing to do that. Are you really starting John Ross this week over the options you drafted? I would say in most cases, probably not. So are you going to blow half your budget to put a guy on your bench with A.J. Green coming back in three or four weeks? I will probably not do that. doesn't mean I don't want him on the team, but you have to kind of look at all these values. of What is the likelihood that this person plays for you? Yeah. Are you going to play – I mean, I think people are going to play Malcolm Brown in a flex spot next week and are going to be disappointed. I really do.
2: Because I, don't yeah, I, got, I got a really good one under the radar that I loved in the preseason. I like the chemistry. That's Jameson Crowder, who had I think twelve targets, eleven catches. The true targets. slot guy. The damn him and Sam Darnold have some chemistry. I got if he's on your on your waiver wire, forget all these these fad fly guys that got four targets. Go for the guy that's going to get 10, you know ten twelve targets every week. Yeah, that's that is a solid, especially a four point PPR. Yeah.
3: Seventeen targets, Jake. Seventeen. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. That's they, what twelve catches?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a
3: lot, and those are and numbers gonna, to pay attention. To. And he's going to keep doing that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to get 17 targets a game, but he's going to. No, keep, but he's going to get 10. He's the number one receiver there. It's not Robbie Anderson. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. Very good trends to pay attention to, especially when you've seen Jamison Crowder before. We're not talking about a rookie that we've never seen be able to to take that amount of target share.
3: Another one that I, I picked up off my bench this week, because again, this is where you do some of your off-season analysis and guys that I was looking at but I didn't really want to draft, I picked up Damian, Danny Amendola to put yeah. on my bench because the, all the thought was is Matthew Stafford loves his slot guy. He loved it when it was Golden Tate. Yeah. He even loved it for a couple weeks when it was Bruce Ellington when they picked him <laughs> up last year. Yeah. But Danny Amendola is going to get targeted in that offense. Like Stafford is going to – I mean they're not going to play the Cardinal secondary every week, but he's going to get targeted. He's somebody that you can throw in if there's yeah. an emergency inactive late in the week where you could throw him in a flex spot and know, okay, well, he's going to get seven eight targets a game, and maybe he's going to get seven or eight catches, especially in PPR formats.
1: Before you make a pick on this game, Jamie, uh, from a waiver perspective, is there any other guys that you're, uh, either one of you guys, Jake or Jamie, that you guys want to throw out there? I know you guys just did. Is there anybody else you're looking at, or Jamie, I, I know you put your rankings out. Is there anybody that stands out maybe this week, uh, amongst everybody else.
3: Well, one of the other guys I picked up, again, putting my money where my mouth is, I spent a couple bucks in fab on him, was Raheem Mostert. Um, I I thought he was the best running back on the field for San Francisco uh, in their game against Tampa. is going to be the starter, but we have seen Kyle Shanahan uses starters, air quotes, very loosely. He's going to go with the hot hand. He's going to have packages for everybody involved. And that position has been successful for the 49ers going back to last season with literally any player in it. So I think it, Mostert's a great person to pick up and put on your bench because it's going to be probably a month plus before we see Tevin Coleman again.
2: Yeah, I mean, guys, I'm getting questions about. Uh, Dion Lewis is on the bench in some leagues. He's playing Indy. Uh, Eckler had a huge game out of the backfield for them. Adrian Peterson's going to take the workload this week. What do you like there? Gio Bernard, if he's on, on the waivers and Mixon's hurt for a few weeks. You know, what, do, what do you think about those guys, Jamie?
3: Uh, if, if you drop, I would pick up Peterson. A lot of people dropped him the second they heard that he was inactive, which was stupid. Uh, I'd pick him up again. I, I do think game script is going to be an issue for them. Chris Thompson's still the back I want there in Washington. Uh, Gio Bernard's interesting. Uh, yeah, I picked
2: up Chris Thompson off waivers. Yeah. One I was very happy about it
3: in PPR, PPR formats because look, the Redskins are going to be down in games, and that's, that's Chris Thompson time. because uh, Peterson doesn't really catch it out of the backfield anymore. Gio Bernard, again, speculative pick him up. Um, the injury for Joe Mixon doesn't appear as bad as we oh. thought it was gonna be. I don't think he plays this week, but there's a chance he plays this week. I just I, I would pick him up, but I wouldn't blow a ton of money on it because I don't know how long you're gonna be able to use Gio Bernard. This is not this is not a scenario where nobody this week is somebody you should be spending half your fat budget on. Like okay. that that's the reality. Yeah. This is the week of overreaction. I would look, and this is some advice that I, I've heard on other places, which I love. Look who got dropped today. Look who got dropped to pick up these hot guys. Yes. Because there are there are players around the league that that are dropping the Jameis Winstons, the Deion Lewis's, the you know, it's the guys of that of that Ronald Jones even for some people. You know, drop Anthony Miller I've seen drop. Ronald Allison I've seen drop. Look who is being dropped and say, you know what? I'm gonna go spend a couple bucks on these guys because I have a whole offseason worth of research to tell me that I like these guys more than somebody that had one big week.
1: That's what I prefer right. from a strategy standpoint. That's because- I got I got two
2: more for you. Sorry, Paige, I didn't mean to no, cut you off. Ahead, uh so Malcolm, Malcolm Brown, is that is that buyer beware? And then what do you do with Ido Smith? He had like Devontae Freeman fumbled early and then caught a couple passes late in a full point PPR league to get to four points. He looked awful, and Edo Smith looked pretty significantly better in that offense. What do you do there? Like if you have Devontae Freeman, you took him early are you, you feeling comfortable that he's going to be fine in this offense? I mean, the defense looked really good, don't get me wrong. And then Malcolm Brown, I mean, i got to say, buyer beware, because he's not going to get the goal line carries every week. I think Gurley's not 100%. I don't think he's ever going to be what he was before. But he looked pretty good in the second half when I wasn't watching. I went back and looked at some of that stuff, and he was running it down their throats. I, I'd say, I mean, this Malcolm Brown thing, everybody's so excited. I'd say, whoa, slow, slow your horses on that one a little bit.
3: I like Malcolm Brown. I wouldn't spend a ton of money on him. Like in in one of my big money leaks, he went for $21. I think that's a little bit too much. I I put a bid in at, I believe, either six or eight bucks, which is what I would feel comfortable bidding. He's not going to get all the goal line touches. This is, this is, I've heard people are now freaking out about Todd Gurley and like, oh, this is the best. He's going to look and that he, that he, instead of trying to lay his shoulder down late in the game, he ran out of bounds. Like the people are trying to find reasons to hate Todd Gurley. Yeah, good. Yeah, by the way, the narrative, the narrative that he would have scored a touchdown in that play is false. I was watching the game when it happened. So if he lowers his shoulder, he gets two extra yards there, so what? Uh,
0: I was scared of Gurley
2: going in. I, I mean, I'm still I'm still in the exact same place I was on Gurley. He's going to be good, but he's going to be – his production's way down from where it was when you said it's still fine depending on where you took him. Yeah. I just I, – I think this is a big overreaction. What are you do in Atlanta, though? I, I don't know if you guys watched any of that game, but – Yeah,
3: that's a, that's a fair point. So I don't know because I don't think Edo Smith's anything special. Um, I, but he played almost as many snaps as Devonta Freeman. I I don't know if I pick him up cause I'm never going to play Edo Smith. Like if Devonta Freeman's healthy, I'm not playing Edo Smith. So I, I don't know if it's even worth handcuffing in that scenario. Cause is, is Freeman a good enough back to be worth handcuffing? Uh, you have to be concerned. Uh, I want to see how they, they're going to have a, not really a much better matchup, but they're going to have a little bit better matchup this week. I mean, Philadelphia's defense is pretty darn good too, but at least it's at home and not on the road in Minnesota. Uh, I, I got to kind of wait and see because th- there's it's got to be a little concerning, his performance, and Dirk Cutter's history with running backs is concerning, but uh, I'm not ready to give up on Devontae Freeman yet. I'm, I'm still going to play him. I,
2: I got one other good one uh, jumping off the running backs, but Vance McDonald, who dropped a couple passes, had one catch later, would have been blanked on the week. And a guy like Darren Waller, who if wasn't drafted, was still available in some leagues. I, I think I like Waller better than McDonald. He was like sixth, you know fifth or sixth, depending on where you drafted. Or seventh ranked what do you think about mcdonald i think he bounces back and, and is fine moving forward i think it's gonna be hit or miss every week but do you think a guy like waller i think gonna have more more touches and more upside
3: he could uh, look i put vance mcdonald in the droppable but don't have to drop category like if you want to drop him for darren waller or you want to drop or you already have another tight end you want to drop him for Gio bernard or somebody okay you can and i think it's fine i also think we've seen the worst game the steelers are going to play this year
1: yeah, yeah, I, for I, sure. I have McDonald, I can tell you that I'm not overreacting to week 1. Um if he if I in the one league I did pick up uh Waller this morning and I think I'll probably end up just playing it matchup, right? Uh, with both of those guys. Uh because I was able to drop somebody and and I think I'll just go a- and play the matchups and I probably will end up playing, you know, maybe Waller wound up being a guy that I play more often than McDonald, but I'm trying not to overreact to what was 100% the worst we're going to see from the
3: Pittsburgh Steelers. So so on my rankings, which I'm going to update a little bit later today. I have Vance McDonald number eight for this week uh, against Seattle and Darren Waller number nine. So, I mean, it's kind of kind of pick your poison there. Yeah. Uh, why I'm high on Waller is those, that was one of the guys that you identified in the preseason as, okay, let's see how they use him, and then I'll react and buy in. And they use them the way we all hoped they would. That's a player you buy in on. Somebody that just comes out of nowhere, I would say wait and see. Okay.
2: Yeah, one other one for you. What do you do with Melvin Gordon? I'm hearing he's not coming till week eight.
3: That- and
2: Eckler looked good. Jackson didn't get a lot of care. But, I mean, I don't think that they're in any hurry to do anything with him. He's not going to go somewhere else like I predicted. Do you take up a spot or do you just cut him at this point point, move on and grab Chris Thompson or somebody, whoever you can get?
3: No, nah, you can't cut him because you, you, you probably Wait, spent a top five round bad. pick. So, uh, no, I, I've been operating under the assumption that he's not showing up for the first eight weeks for about a week and a half now. Like that's my assumption. He has to come back yeah. at the midseason point in, in order to be a free agent the following year. So uh, I'm under the assumption he's only going to play eight games. So you have to keep him on your bench, but uh, you know, it sucks holding up that spot. The question is going to be is what's going to suck is for Austin Eckler owners, because it's going to eat into his time. Cause they're going to exactly. use Melvin Gordon. They're not going to use him the same way they used him when he was, you know, the full member of the team, but it's going to eat into Eckler's production a little bit. But, uh, the reality is, you got to keep him. I, I can't cut him because no. he's still he's still shown that he can be a true RB one. He's not going to be that this year, but he can be that when he plays, and especially on limited touches. I mean, Melvin Gordon's not a twenty touch guy anyway, and he's been very productive. So you got to kind of hold on to him, but just assume you're going to miss half the season at this point.
1: Yeah, the draft capital that you used to get him. I mean, and most people, especially people that drafted early, were under the assumption that he was probably going to come back. I know that was a bad assumption. Um, so now you, you kind of got to eat the position where you, where you took it. And it's going to suck for Eckler owners like that. Just, yeah. I mean, just forecasting, it's going to yes. suck when Melvin Gordon comes back because he is going to play. So
2: here's know. something to think about from a football perspective, they're going to get their left tackle back potentially about the same time they get Melvin Gordon back. Who's going to be healthy and fresh and want to go blow, you know, blow up the second half of the year. And I don't know if they're going to give him quite that workload, but Eckler's a little dude that's carrying a lot of workload for the first eight weeks I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna kill his time, but I think it's really gonna help the Chargers when he comes back.
1: Oh, I think this is this is the best case scenario for the LA Chargers, right? Like this is this is a very good from strictly football perspective. Separating fantasy, right? This is a very very good scenario for them because they're gonna get fresh legs. Melvin Gordon, who is playing to get a big fat contract from somebody else, coming in with a lot of the opportunity to showcase. I deserve to be paid a lot of money. This is the best case scenario for this football team, uh, strictly football perspective, not fantasy.
2: All right, I got I got one more for you. Carry on, Johnson owners. Okay. All right, should Should they beware? C.J. Anderson had a bunch of carries, and they should have ran it down the the Cardinals' throat, and they couldn't. He had a very mediocre day. If they weren't up, he wouldn't have had anywhere near. What do you have? Eighteen carries, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean. It was an okay day, but it wasn't anything special. I mean, 8.2 points in a PPR league? Yeah. I, I, was, I was expecting him to go off in that 25-plus.
1: So here's the thing. I would say if you listen to this podcast regularly, you're fine because you didn't overvalue Carry On Johnson. If you looked at the rest of the fantasy community, you're probably freaking out a little bit because there were a lot of people that had Carry On Johnson way higher than we did as a collective group. Now, if you're in that boat and you drafted him to be an RB1, you're probably freaking out because CJ Anderson did look damn good and he is going to play a part of that, o- that offense. And he is going to be part of that running game. And I don't think that's going to change. Uh, obviously I think carry on Johnson will have better weeks, but this was a favorable matchup from a defensive perspective. Now you got to go play the Minnesota Vikings front twice, the Chicago bears front, front twice. I mean, that was a favorable matchup for carry on and we didn't get what a lot of people forecasted, but I'm, giving us a little pat on the back because we were collectively lower on carry on Johnson than a lot of the other fantasy community.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of this depends on where you had them rated because to yeah. me, I'm not surprised. I, yeah. I expect him to do better than that. Like you should have had more points in this game. I was hiring him this week, uh, but we yeah. told you CJ Anderson is going to play a major role in this offense. He's going to play a role in the goal line. Oh, and by the way, so does JD McKissick because he's basically yeah. going to be Theo Riddick now that they, that they moved on from him. So the, – the, but this is how they were always going to use their backs. Like they were – this was always going to happen and, and I never understood why people just assume – and here's the one thing that frustrates me a lot. And
2: I, he was so good last year when he was healthy. I think it was the reason people had him so high.
3: But I think the, the concept is – and we saw it with Chicago in week one. People have to stop thinking about what fantasy owners want to happen yeah. and think about yeah. what the NFL coaches want to happen. Correct. Yes, we might sit here and say we want David Montgomery to get 25 carries a game and we want On Johnson to get 25 carries a not game. Happy. But that's not what the coaching staffs are doing. We warned you about Mike Davis and how he would be used. We warned you about C.J. Anderson and how he would be used. We warned you about the split in Denver. Like we've talked about these things for a reason because you have to look at how the coaches are going to use their players. They don't care about fantasy. Yeah. They don't care about where you drafted them. They don't care about – they're trying to win games with their teams and their systems and their backs. And – They don't care – you know. and the Jake has been to point out, Matt LeFleur doesn't care that you like Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams is going to be in there on passing downs to pass block. Like it's just – it's these things you have to be aware of and you have to get out of the mentality of thinking of, man, it would be really awesome if – and go, okay, what is most likely to happen? Look at this as how you look at stocks or betting or anything else. What is the percentage chance that this goes the way I want it to versus, man, it would be really cool if this just takes off?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I wish y'all could like, see Jamie's face. It's very
2: interesting. <laughs> I just, I just get frustrated
3: with people like who could have foreseen Malcolm Brown getting carries? Who could have foreseen CJ? If you were paying attention to anything these coaches were saying, you would have known.
1: Yes, because people get caught up. You bring up even fantasy analysts, fantasy analysts that I really, really respect and like get caught up in. I see so much talent in said rookie running back and he should get this. That is nice that you think that. That is not what said coaching staff has said ever. And I've
3: been screaming since the preseason. There is no – I wish somebody in the world loved me as much as – Doug Peterson loves Darren Sproles. It's just going to be a thing. You have to understand it. It's just going to be a thing. I'm sorry, Miles Sanders is awesome, and I love for him to get 20 carries a game. Darren Sproles are going to hand it to him at the goal line for no good reason because they love Darren Sproles. You just have to understand that this happens sometimes. I fall in this trap too. I, I, I'm not immune to it. But there's some of these ones that we've been yelling about for three months now that people are shocked actually happened in week one. It's just the thing. Derrick Sprouls is going to get goal line carries because there is no God. I don't know. Like, just who knows? All right. We live in a world where Austin Eckler and, and, uh, and Derrick Sproles are getting carries from first to goal from the one because uh, the football because. doesn't make sense anymore. But that, but we knew this was going to happen. Uh, rant over
1: this is one of the best rants that jamie's ever had (laughs) that
2: was beautiful
1: absolutely
2: beautiful
1: (laughs) that that was so fantastic uh okay well to wrap things up here yeah there's no i have nothing more to say on the subject because (laughs) jamie took everything that we could possibly say uh this game carolina is a seven point favorite at home jamie on thursday night football uh what are you picking here
3: uh, reluctantly picking Carolina. Uh, it's high, but yeah. I, I don't, I don't like teams on the road on Thursday night and I just, I'm always going to fade them. Uh, I think Carolina's feeling pretty good about themselves here. Uh, the line wouldn't be this high. I think this is, this was a Sunday game, but it is what it is. Uh, I do think we get a better performance from the Bucs here. I think this, particularly that passing game, I expect to be, to be better. Mike Evans should be better in that game. Um, Chris Godwin was fine. Again, if that Jameis shows it a half second earlier in the end zone there, we're talking about how great of a game Chris Godwin has, and maybe the Bucks end up winning that game. Uh, but I think it's going to be close, but I think it's going to be right about that touchdown line. So uh, to, to steal a line from Jake, uh, I'm going to, I guess give him the little extra credit there. I'd probably have it right on the line, uh, but go to Carolina, the home team on Thursday night.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a uh, listen Thursday night footballs are always Thursday night football games are nearly always ugly. The road team, both teams usually look bad, um, it's just a tough scenario to pick against. I I don't want to pick against the against the Bucks, but I think it, it's I'm gonna continue this trend and always kind of take the home team uh on, on Thursday night football because that is what we have continually. Uh, Seen especially uh, in divisional matchups like we're going to see on Thursday
2: night. Let me tell you what was ugly. And that was Cam's outfit for Week One. I hope he doesn't come with the little house on the Prairie Head scarf for Week Two because we're going to have to see the damn press conference. It's the only thing on.
3: So, <sighs> so it's funny that you brought that up because so uh, you know my my girlfriend's not as not a sports fan. So I, I have I've shown her like the litany of Cam Newton outfits. <laughs> And now she's finding these memes of people like, oh, this is Cam Newton. That's Batman villains. And like, there's like all of these things. Uh, I don't know what Cam is doing ever, but we'll see. Uh, can-
2: He's had some bad choices. The head scarf from Little House on the Prairie was the worst ever. Like that was I th- with a, sh- a short suit. They look like, short leggings like biker shorts and uh that i don't know that was just bad i wonder if he's just trolling us at this
3: point honestly
2: come come with something better than that in week two dude because we're gonna have to see it and i don't know that i can
1: i I, the thing with him is that he call everything he does he can call it high fashion because he just can right because it's like well they could be wearing that in paris at fashion week and none of us would know because we don't care i will
3: say i'm convinced that if you're famous enough you can make fashion whatever you want it to be and nobody questions you i totally like Including that haircut. Yeah, If if you're a nobody and you wear that, you're a freak. But if you're a celebrity and you wear that, oh, wow, like that's in. Like I just – I swear that just clothing now is just – if you're famous enough, you can wear whatever you want. Uh,
1: it's or the, if you're Kanye,
3: you could sell the eighty dollar white T shirt that has nothing on it. Yeah, uh, eight hundred, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, that's Supreme's whole gimmick. But
2: don't get me off
1: on. Listen, on Ru- that. Russell Russell Westbrook has proven this time and time again, uh, and I love Russell Westbrook, and I love the.
2: He ain't rocking no little house with a prairie head scarf. No,
1: he he usually brings the game, but there's a certain point at which I, I think Jamie brings up a good point. You you hit a certain threshold, and people just kind of go. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. I mean, it's uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s hair routinely. His some of the outfits he pulls out. Wearing your watch out, during the game? Wearing, yeah, wearing a three hundred thousand dollar watch during a.
2: I let that slide Monday. By the way, uh, I let I let it slide. I was I wasn't even going to go there. It won't happen a week two. The NFL's exminated, but come on, man! Like really, a three hundred? You're wearing a tour beyond during the game from Richard Mill? Come on, that's just insane. I- and there's exactly why because I just said exactly what it is. On the air, and everybody's talked about it.
1: I, I appreciate the fact that there were a lot of funny memes based off the fact that many people live in homes that cost less than what Odell Beckham Jr. wore on his wrist during a football game. He got
2: paid a lot of money to do it. He probably knew it was only going to be one week, and he did. Good on him. Right. Go make your money. Yeah,
3: do it. We never fall.
1: By the way, it's
2: the same watch Bubba Watson wears in white every time he plays golf. Yeah. Yeah,
3: like, yeah. Like it's not a scandal. It's just kind of a thing that's just interesting to think about. And funny because they lost. Yeah. But like,
2: no, uh, what's funny is he had his mind on putting on a $300,000 watch and not having like four extra catches or winning the game.
3: Yeah,
1: mostly funny because they lost. Uh, and I am highly entertained by Browns uh, fans this week on social media, and it will only get worse if they go 0-2 to start the season. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast?
2: Yeah, I wish the Bucks weren't playing on Thursday night, but they are. So we'll talk to you on Friday.
3: Okay. Jamie? Uh, I think I've exhausted all of my rants for the day, <laughs> uh, but – beautifully Uh, i yeah i I can't top that anything i'm gonna say it's just downhill from here
1: yeah i i would agree that was uh that was an all-timer and we'll probably
2: end. i got one that's don't overreact to week one people you drafted your team for a reason slow down relax like some of the stuff we talked about people are going crazy
1: don't overreact but to the people who do overreact Take advantage of that. Yes, take go it. look at the way. Yeah. Ta- pay attention to the fact that there are players we have discussed throughout this podcast and players we really like coming into this season that people are going to overreact to and they're going to drop them. And you're going to be the beneficiary because you're going to have to listen to this podcast. You're going to go pick those guys up. And guess what? They're going to show you why they deserve a spot on your team for the rest of the fantasy football season after having a poor week one performance. So that that's my parting thoughts on today's podcast. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media?
2: Jake B Arians on Twitter. Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie. You can follow me
3: at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at J Eisner FFB on Instagram.
1: You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. And you should check out all of our content on theDraftNetwork.com.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.